Love is in the air, and so was snow, lots of snow, and terrible food service. This is Comic-Con Season 6 in 2014, and this is the Awesome Cast. Welcome back to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. Also, the podcast that launched a thousand pleas. I'm your host, Basil, and with me is... Douglas! And that's us! Yay! No Kevin this time, No sadly. Kevin, because he wasn't... He did not come do the things that we did. Yes, he couldn't make it to Comic-Con, so... He but, can't talk about it. Before then, yes, we are the podcast that creates revolutions. If by revolutions you mean internet petitions and... People wanting Chafuru licensed on Twitter. Yes. We make we change things, only we don't change things at all. <laughs> so this episode is going to be all about this convention we just went to. Literally, this is the Monday after the convention. So yes, we are going to talk about Sunday. Yep. That actually we have things. We have like two or three things I think maybe Sunday to talk about. Or one thing. Yeah, it was some things. But before then, do we want to do Moments of Awesomes? Because I can only think of one thing to talk about, and that's the Lego movie. Yeah, the Lego movie was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, Lego movie was pretty awesome, so I recommend people go watch that movie. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it, because it could easily be something we actually want to talk about as an actual awesome cast. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, when your lead song is Everything is Awesome. Yes. Yeah, you know, and being the awesome cast, it, it kind of feels that we kind of are supposed to. Yeah, a little. Like, who knows? We'll see when it comes out on DVD. Is that, that seems to be usually when we want to talk about movies is back to when it hits Yeah, the DVD release. Uh, let's see. The Puppy Bowl was amazing. Was it? Yeah, I was, it was. I was busy playing Bravely Default, but I don't want to get too into Bravely Default without Kevin here. Yeah. But, no, the Puppy Bowl was really spectacular. Uh I really, I don't like, I don't really care much for watching sports. I'm I'm kind of a fan of participating in sports, but not mm-hmm. that big a fan of just idly watching them on TV. So it so I hate the Super Bowl, not because I actually hate the Super Bowl itself, but because nothing else airs when the Super Bowl is on. So it's really nice that the Puppy Bowl is on. It was so cute. Right, well, you have puppies <laughs> it was, in a bowl. I was just overwhelmed with the cute sensation. Like, my dog was cuddling me at the time that I was watching it with my husband, and everything was... Everything was awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of... Anyways. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. And I kind of feel that way about the Olympics, too. You know... I really don't like it when the Olympics are, when it's time for the Olympics, not because I really dislike the Olympics themselves, but because that dominates all of, like, the TV. Well, it's, it's true. I mean, several shows that we might watch, like, especially on NBC, are all yeah, they're postponed all... for a month because they're busy 
using all that time for the Olympics. Now, I'm actually, I actually really enjoy the, watching the Olympics. Yeah. Just because it tends to be much, lots of little things instead of like a big thing that takes forever. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different events that they're constantly cutting to, and so I never get bored watching any one thing. Sadly, because I'm sort of a little bit of a cable cutter, and that my house has TV, but I have nothing plugged in for TV. Yeah. Yeah, that's for other people in the house. I use online stream for pretty much everything. I can't just tune into a stream on NBC and watch the Olympics. Like, I get, like, even further clips and cuts of things. And it's not... St- and I just want to be able to st- watch it. Like, I can everything else online, but I can't. Unless, I guess, I figure out some sort of, like, BBC, like, alternate stream or something and full of proxy or whatever. And that's just too much effort, so I haven't bothered yeah. with the Olympics this year. But I just... I really super don't care about watching sports on TV. Except in narrative form. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of sports anime that make an exception, or sports movies that make an exception, but it's gotta be in narrative form, or I just really don't care about the actual game. No, that's cool. Like, you know, for me, it's an example is, I, I enjoy the concept and the ideas behind baseball. Yeah. And I actually really enjoy going out to, like, a stadium and watching it live. Whereas watching it on TV is not quite as enjoyable. Like, I'm not, I'm missing all the actual, you know, at the stadium paying for overpriced food and drink. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind. And watching it and. I actually don't mind going to a baseball or a football game and sitting in the bleachers, but I just, I, I don't care about it enough to want to. And even a, even a professional game, I do not like going to a professional game because I'm too far away. I can't, I don't actually ever feel like I'm part of it because I'm in a giant stadium where I might as well be watching it on TV. Uh, But still, I would much rather be playing the sport than watching it. For me, it really depends on the sport. Yeah. Like, I don't mind playing and failing at baseball or playing and failing at soccer. Mm Mm-hmm. But things like I mentioned before, you know. Watching someone play car, I'd much rather watch someone play Karata than actually try to play Karata myself. No, I want to play Karata. Like, that's... When I was watching the show, I was like, oh man, I actually want to play that game. First, I gotta learn all 100 poems. So I guess I gotta do do that. In Japanese. Yep. Yeah, oh man, there are lots of various ways you could translate those poems, I've discovered. Oh yeah. Bunches of those poems refer to other poems. Well, I mean, even just how people translate them and how they phrase the words and how they set up the poem uh-huh. in English. Like, I found, like, three or four different ways of people doing it, and apparently there's different techniques in doing it, mm-hmm. and it was like, wow, this is way more complicated to translate poems. I guess that makes sense, considering that it's Japanese, and Japanese is so much weirder in comparison to English. It does not translate directly. So anyways, that was... General Gabbing, and where you can find us, awesomecast.com. You can find us on Twitter at awesomecast.com. You can find me on Twitter at It's Basil Time. You can find Kevin on Twitter at twitterless under, twitless underscore Kevin. You can find us on Tumblr now, or on Tumblr, posting tumbles or something. I don't understand Tumblr. We're tumbling around. But the person who's running the Tumblr does understand Tumblr. So check us out on Tumblr. We're on Facebook. If you have any comments or questions, leave us comments. 
or send us emails. Or if you have any complaints, please send all email complaints to podcast at chainsubbuffet.com. But now, let's take it down a notch as I think Doug wanted to say something. Yes, I do want to say something. On the last podcast I appeared on, uh, it was the anime section of the 2013 Awesome Cast Awards. Or Awesome Awards. And during the anime section, while talking about Golden Time, I made a joke at the expense of a friend of ours, Jeff. And Jeff is actually a really good guy. And I made a joke at his expense, and I really didn't... And I really took what was basically a private joke and made it very, very public. And in making it very public, I crossed the line that I should not have crossed. And so I do want to apologize to Jeff for doing that. So, I'm sorry, Jeff. Thank you very much. We're sorry, because technically I'm the one that actually called out his name once I realized the joke you had made. Yeah, yeah, but I I am the one who took, like, a private joke and made it public. So there you go. The awesome cast. Sometimes we offend people. Yep. It happens, and we're sorry for it. At least when it's people we know. Right. People from the internet go, screw yourselves, unless you really are offended, in which case we'll, we'll, we'll apologize to you too. But speaking of the internet, or because this is an audio podcast that goes up on the internet, but things that aren't what weren't on the internet, which was an anime convention called Comic-Con. Comic-Con 2014 Season 6. This was a, this is an Alabama convention. This originally took place in Tuscaloosa. It was on their uh, University of Alabama's campus for several years, but last year and this year has t- taken place in Birmingham. Yeah, it, it, is, this started out as just a free college convention and transitioned into a public convention, into a public where you have to pay for tickets convention. Yeah, it was it? originally a free college con. Now it's a pay-for-con-con like most cons. Yeah. Which is, in fact, it's the same transition that, say, MomoCon took, where it was for several, several years. It seems to be an evolution of good college conventions that they eventually go on to this. Right. Like, I know, for example, for in, in, for Comic-Con's issues, was they actually couldn't get the space they wanted to, that they usually get for in Tuscaloosa, and so they had to move to Birmingham. Yes. And unfortunately, Birmingham is a place where cons tend to not really exist very well. They tend to die on the vine there. Just the scaffolding that the vine grows on of Birmingham is just not that great. There are cons that exist now, like Play on Con. I think there's a Alabama Phoenix Festival and there's also now Comic Con and potentially others. But for many, many years, I knew of Birmingham as the place where you don't go hold cons because they won't survive Birmingham for whatever reasons. 
And so far, Comic-Con has had two years at Birmingham, and they've seemed like they've done okay. But, yeah, and I, but after going to this year, because the last time we went was when it was, it was in Tuscaloosa. Had a good time. Realized we had a chance at the very last moment to go to it this year. And we still had a good time, but absolutely none of the good time was because of Birmingham. No, in fact, Birmingham tried to get in the way a few times. They set, they scheduled several... There were several organizations running uh, 500Ks. At least two. Yeah, at least two. And so, because we only got to go last minute, the hotel that the actual con was being held in was already sold out. We had to stay at a different hotel, which meant we had to drive from our hotel to the convention center. Which shouldn't have been so bad. Like, if you look on the GPS, it was like six minutes away. Yeah, the problem was had nothing to do with the con. It was that the city had scheduled marathons through its streets and closed off those streets, so we had to figure out ways around. And that suddenly took a six-hour trip into, like, sometimes 30 minutes to an hour trip. Six-hour trip? 30 minutes to an hour trip. You mean a six-minute trip into a 30-minute to an hour trip? Correct. Whatever I said, strike it, reverse it. Whatever it was supposed to be, it's what it is supposed to actually be. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that was that was an issue, and also issues. Well, we'll start. We'll start. Let's get into it. Friday night, we get there, we get our badges, and we look around, and ah, we again we had we planned this at the very last moment, so we kind of get there somewhat late on Friday, and we get our badges, and then I realize that all the panels I really wanted to go to were earlier that day. Were earlier that day. Like I wanted to see how they handle their Attack on Titan panel. Now, because we got there late, we did miss one of the big events of this of this uh, convention, which was... Uh, the, the royal wedding. The royal wedding of the two con chairs? Yeah, uh, Ray and Chelsea. They got married at the con, and I hear it was an absolutely wonderful and lovely ceremony. Yes. And they had a Dalek ring bearer, <laughs> were, and I've already to tell my wonderful girlfriend, no. No, 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 no. Well, you guys are planning on having a ring bear, right? Well, yeah, of some sort. Like, we're not sure what it's going to be, but it's not going to be Dalek. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to do the traditional thing and have a ring bear. Yeah, or a ring bearer. We're not sure what it's going to turn out to be. But, you know, maybe maybe we, we have, you know, an appropriately adorable child who can pull it off. Maybe we'll fly in Micah Solasad. You know, who knows what'll happen. It, but, but you know, they had a Dalek, and apparently they had a very nice wedding. And, of course, we wish Ray and Chelsea nothing but the best. Yes, yes. Our best of wishes to Ray and Chelsea. Congratulations on your wedding. And we thought we'd do maybe some of the late night stuff, but we decided that we really need to get dinner first. And so we decided <laughs> to go get dinner. And we completely forgot... That, of course, this that Friday was... Valentine's Day. Now, me and my husband celebrated Valentine's Day the day before we went to Camicon. And that's why we forgot. Like, and we when we celebrate, me and my girlfriend Anna, our wonderful editor, who's the most amazing person in the world, we celebrated on Monday. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and, and uh, but honestly, if the very next night, I'm no longer sure if it was Valentine's Day or if it was just Birmingham. And Birmingham just might be werewolves when it comes to restaurants. 
By day, they're nice and pleasant and wonderful. At night, they're terrible things to be around. Yes. So on Valentine's Day, we went to a Chili's where we had to wait... Over an hour and 30 minutes just to be seated. Yes. And that's why we couldn't make any of the... Of the events on Friday night, which... Which, you know, there were there were several good ones I wanted to try out. Of course, they also had issues, you know, unavoidable for them, was that we recently went through an, a North Alabama snowpocalypse of our own. Yes. Keep in mind, for people who are not in Alabama but do listen to our podcast, uh, we're not really used to having snow around here. At all. Yeah, like, like none. Like, we can go an entire summer... Not, well, of course we can go entire summer without snow, but we can go entire year. year without snow, and that is completely normal. Like, people will still talk about how cold it got, even though it didn't even snow once. Like, and in Huntsville, it's actually particularly weird because we live in a valley. Yeah. And so usually, even if other areas around us might get snow... We definitely don't. We still don't get the snow. And so, and you know, about a month or so ago... Yeah. You know, Birmingham and Atlanta both went through their own apocalypses, which was only like two or three inches, but that was enough to wreck their city's infrastructure as far as transportation goes. Yeah, for a southern city that where it never snows, and it snows, it's th- three or four inches can be a big deal. And, you know, for, for Camicon, unfortunately, there was, there was, the, the, uh, we were, they are still reeling through the effects of snow. A lot of airports weren't sending airplanes towards Birmingham. Yep. And so a lot of it took them a while to get all their voice actor guests. And that was important because this year was very much a voice actor guest centric convention. Yeah, you know, the they pulled off something they pulled off something quite spectacular with Camicon. Uh, I heard one of the staff members Camicon commenting that Camicon takes a little bit of a little bit of pride in that they are a very ambitious convention and what they set out to achieve this year is nothing short of nothing short of superbly ambitious uh, not only did the two con chairs plan their wedding at the same time as planning a convention they wanted to get the whole main cast of Cowboy Bebop the voice actors and actresses in for a reunion show at Camicon at the same time yeah and they did. And then on top of that, then they also got most of the voice cast of Sailor Moon. Yeah. And at the same time, at the same convention. Now, this is like a three to 4,000 person convention. You know, this is not one of the biggest dogs around. And they got two spectacular lineups of guests. Like, even have the Sailor Moon lineup or the Bebop, you know, reunion mm-hmm. lineup. Either lineup would have been amazing for a convention this size. You know, we run, you know, well, I help run, you know, another, a slightly smaller con, Hamacon, we're like 2,000 people right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three voice actors, and that's about as much as we can afford. And so someone say, we got four, oh, now we have eight voice actors for one con for, you know, a three to four, 3,000 to 4,000 person con. That's insane. And one of the, one of the few things that I really, would like to point out to Camicon if you know if anyone's listening from the convention is please promote more. You had something you had two amazing things here at this con. Three. 
uh, as far as purely anime con go okay goes like the wedding is amazing yeah but that's amazing for being a wedding you know at anime con it's not you know it's a draw for people who are already coming into the con who already know of the con yeah who know the con chairs Mm -hmm. and want to see them happy Mm -hmm. where but you know the Something like these voice actor reunions, that's something that should attract attention from all over yeah. the nation to get you to come to this con. And that's where, you know, that's where the promotion is important. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, the wedding is great, A, for them, and B, for everyone else who is already invested. Yes. You know, in seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these voice actor reunion type and lineups is to really attract a lot of people who may have never went to a comic con before. Yeah. And just for an example, the whole Sailor Moon reunion is, it actually, uh, the Sailor Moon reunion actually got lots of traction for Anime Expo, who also announced, after Kamikon announced this reunion, Anime Expo, like, put out the word, and so it got, like, coverage on Crunchyroll's news and Anime News Network and all these other places going, like, they're having the Sailor Moon reunion. And I sat there reading it, so I'm like, but Kamikon is also having... They say, and they're having it first. I think they don't have Venus. They have like all the everybody else they're going to have though. They're, they have four instead of five, but that's still impressive. That's still a significant number. You know, four is not so much smaller than five. Like, why aren't people talking about this? And do you also know they're also doing Cowboy Bebop? You know, that's that's something awesome, and it was awesome. There was a great moment during the Cowboy Bebop reunion where everybody suddenly realized that. They had also all worked on Digimon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's where they suddenly start reminiscing about, but I'll get to that. No, that's on Saturday. Okay. And, but yeah, so they they didn't get the word out quite like they should have. And I, I think that's something that they do need to work on, especially if they pull off anything remotely like they did this year with, you know, things that they can totally announce. You know, they need to start spreading the word from on high. They need to make, you know, press releases they can send off to ANN to catch their interest. You know, really, you know, get that word out. Yes. And it can be hard. I'm not saying that it's easy. But it, it can happen and it, it needs to happen for, for them to grow, you know, even more so than they already have. Mm-hmm. But for us, that Friday was pretty much us dealing with a terrible, you know, restaurant experience. Yes. Which was the worst restaurant experience for us of the weekend. It was or was not? I feel it was. Because it still took way, it took way too long. The food came out way too long as well. Whereas we were getting a plate of food every 15 minutes. Like we spent almost four hours at that restaurant. Oh, The next restaurant we went to, we only spent like two hours. Maybe two and a half. It wasn't nearly as long as Chili's. Fair enough. I just didn't have the patience for the second one. I used it all up on Chili's. <laughs> we had went to the dealer's room. Something very important happened in the dealer's room. There was a dealer that had a goat. Yeah. Yeah, one of the dealers had brought in a little pet goat behind her counter. She kept it in a dog cage, and actually when we came by... She had it out and was showing it to people. She then tried to convince me to get a pet goat myself. Which, you know, 
I wonder if that's some sort of pyramid scheme. Like, if you get a goat yourself, <laughs> you get two goats, and then you try to sell the other goat in some sort of weird pyramid scheme. And even if it is a weird pyramid scheme, isn't that also just called farming? Well, it's true. Now, that said, the dealer's room was a nice dealer's room. Everything was well-spaced. Yeah. It had a pretty, as Amicons go, it, has a very, it had a very good selection of various knickknacks and doodads you could buy. There was plenty of space for people to walk around in. Yes. Uh, the way the, the the hotel or the convention center was set up, there were three floors. The bottom floor had some of the event space, most of the major event space, as well as all the con promotion tables were shown about. The second had more your registration and like your more activity based stuff. Yeah, more it, the more the activity based stuff, like the dodgeball was held. Right, and the uh, capture the flag and. Uh, but that's where they had their Vocaloid concert. Yeah. Which we didn't have a chance to get to. But they all, and then the third floor had uh, uh, your video game rooms, which looked like video game rooms. Uh, I also had a Hatsune Miku game room because Sega was there. Yeah. And had all the artist alley. Mm-hmm. And the artist alley, had, they had plenty of space for people to move around in and check their wares. And so it was... And, you know, everything was sort of pretty centrally located in this one area. And it you did- were... It did make getting around the convention very easy. It was a very good layout, I thought. Yeah, like it, it, it totally worked out. I, I was very happy with the layout of the convention itself. It was it, it was it was nice. And the only the only downside was it was kind of hard to get food, as the only restaurant they really had was either the stuff that was in the hotel adjacent to it, or you went to wait in line for like an hour for Subway. Yeah, I. I was having feet problems, and while I had no problem walking from place to place, I could not tolerate standing up like that for long periods of time. And I know that he, tr- you know, they they tried to do what they could. They got, you know, there was a there was a taco truck, you know, Friday night, which was a really good which taco had really truck. delicious tacos and and other uh, accoutrement of Mexican style food, or at least Tex Mex style food. Mm-hmm. I know that apparently they had um, they were uh, they had made sure that the delivery would actually deliver so people could get the Domino's and Papa John's. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's what they did. They just ordered a lot of pizza. Yeah. And they just stayed in, which we probably would have done more of if we if our hotel had been. If, yeah, if our hotel had been actually connected or or within walking distance. Yeah, but it wasn't, yeah. and sadly. Uh, the convention center, once you park, you're not allowed to leave and park again. Yeah. You're supposed to pay for every time you enter or exit their parking lots. And it was a pretty expensive parking fee, too. It was... It was eight bucks. I mean, it could have been ten bucks. It could have. But it could also have been five bucks, but that's not really Comic-Con's fault. That's the convention center. Yeah. And convention centers like their money. Yeah. They gotta get it somehow. They gotta get their cut. Right. So yeah, so that, okay, so that's Friday. Now we're gonna take our musical break, and we'll be right back with Saturday. So let me get some names. Dalton. Comeda. Erica. 
So, hi, you're on the Awesome Cast, the podcast for everything awesome. We're talking about Camicon. How did you like the convention? I loved it. Amazing. Unbelievable. It was cool. Well, what was so cool about the con? Everything. Specifically. People. What kind of people? This guy. Okay, how cool are you, and why do you make this convention cooler? She's delusional, that's why. Okay, well, what did you think was so cool about the con? Cosplayers. What cosplayers really uh, made you cost-impressed? I don't really know what show they're from exactly, but their costumes were just unbelievably well done. All right, well, so I'll go over here to you. What did you really enjoy at the con? I really liked seeing all of the cosplayers, seeing a bunch of my friends that I don't get to see very often except for at Comic-Con, and I love getting seeing the uh, getting to see the voice actors. So which voice actors were you really looking forward to, and which ones do you see? Um, I really want... Uh, I didn't get the chance to go see the Cowboy Bebop people, and those were who I really wanted to see. And I got to go see uh, Lil Karibo and give him a fist bump, because I haven't gotten to see him for the past three years that I've been here. How was the fist bump? It was fantastic. Like, they did, like, rainbow shootout or, like, explosions or... A little of both. Oh, okay, okay. So how did you enjoy the convention? I really liked going to all the panels. And probably my favorite was the Grego game shows. Okay, well, did you, which game shows did you go to and which one was your favorite? Well, this year I only called Press Your Luck, and that was just a, really a blast. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you all very much for talking to me, and hope you all enjoy the last of the convention. Let me get some names. Logan. Hannah. How's it going? You're on the podcast for everything awesome called The Awesome Cast. How is the convention for you? It has been amazing. It's great. What did you enjoy about it? Oh, I love this! I love the storyline that they do every year. I've come just about every year, so I. Just so, what, what is the storyline? What, what, what's going on here? I don't actually pay attention to these things. Sure, uh, it's the two mascots are going to conquer the world through world conquest, and each year they run into a problem and theme the con around whatever their problem is. What was the problem this year? Uh, they lost their hearts, so it's heartless in Wonderland. Did they find their hearts? We're about to find out for closing ceremonies. Well, that's a cliffhanger. So, what did you enjoy at the convention? It's my first time, so I just enjoyed walking around, seeing everybody in their cosplays. Any cosplayers that really stood out to you? Any cosplays that stood out to you? None that really stood out. I just liked all of them. Just liked all of them. They were all great. Just finding one that was particularly terrible. A couple. Oh, thank God, much and have a great con. Uh, how's it going? It's great. Going swell. Competition yesterday. Awesome. You're on the podcast for everything awesome. Talk about Camicon. How did you enjoy the convention? I enjoyed it pretty much. It's my second convention. All right. What was your first? Uh, MyCon in Mississippi. Okay. Are you from Mississippi? I am. How did you enjoy MyCon and how did Camicon compare to MyCon? Uh, Camicon was definitely bigger, but I I think I had more fun in MyCon because I knew more people there. Okay. Okay. Are you also from Mississippi? Uh, not originally, but I do live there. Okay. Okay. Well, how did you enjoy the con? Oh, it was fun. I mean, first time here at Comic-Con, and I was running out of Klaus Titan. I just had a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. What was your favorite thing? Uh, meeting Steve Bloom. Did you, so did you get anything signed? or did you just, no, What'd you get signed? I got four posters signed by the entire cast. Nice! What was your favorite part of the convention? Uh, probably Steve Bloom panels and also Dodgeball. I had a lot of fun Dodgeball. Did you, did you win? One game, one of the free play games, I did. 
cool, cool. So what, what was the, what was about the Bebop cast that really made you go, yes, I, I'm, I'm glad I met them? Uh, dude, just the way they interacted, because you could tell they haven't seen them one in a long time, because a lot of them showed up late for the first panel. But then Bo Bielinga and uh, Steve Bloom did a, a go a go back with doing one of the lines from the show. And just hearing that again, it was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it was just nostalgia. Just complete nostalgia. Yeah. Well peppered, man. Awesome. Well, I'm glad y'all had fun, and hopefully you'll have the last hour as fun as well. All right. So Saturday, when we finally got to the convention floor after wading through marathon traffic. Yes, after going around marathon traffic, we made it to the convention center. Now that said, Saturday's marathon traffic was much better than Sunday's marathon traffic. Yep. Because you could actually drive, you just had to wait a while, but you could drive directly to it. Yeah. So, I know I started with, and this is where we actually split apart, where I went to see the Bebop stuff, and you actually went to, to do di- two different yes. panels. I went to Japanese 101, mm-hmm. and I also went to, I went to Japanese 101, and I went to the Doctor Who panel. Alright. So, what's up with the Japanese 101s? Uh, well, with... I actually kind of want to do a little bit of a compare and contrast with these two panels. Go for it. Because I noticed I noticed something very stark between them. The first panel, Japanese 101, had a lot of content because it's how to speak basic Japanese. The girls that were running the panel, two of them referenced actually having lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they taught English in Japan or something. I'm not too clear on what they taught in Japan, but they referenced, you know, having children that they were teaching. So Mm -hmm. they were teaching something in Japan. Uh, So I don't have any doubt that that their ability to fluently speak Japanese is competent enough to be teaching a 101 course. However, they just didn't seem prepared for the lecture. At one point they referenced having they referenced having a PowerPoint show, mm-hmm. but there was nothing set up. Not none of them had even computer even laptop computers or anything as if they had it but they couldn't display it. Uh, during the course of the panel, a screen got set up, but no projector ever emerged. For them to display it, as I said, they themselves didn't appear to have any sort of uh, computers that they were referencing, and they didn't seem to have any schedule that they were following. It was mostly, so what do you specifically want to know about the Japanese language? And the biggest problem was that the audience didn't really know enough... To ask questions for it. Yeah, they didn't know enough to ask questions for it, or they knew enough that their questions were going to be beyond what is expected of a 101 course and they're wanting to just kind of sit and soak it up. Uh, So it it was kind of a problem in that, and it boiled down to, in my opinion, they had a lot of content for this panel, but they didn't quite know how to run a panel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas the second second panel... 
the second panel was the Doctor Who panel. It was in the same room. Mm -hmm. It was in the same room and everything. Uh, Even though there was plenty of seating, I did have... They did ask that I get up and get out because a line did form for the Doctor Who panel. There turned Mm -hmm. out to be plenty of seating for it, but there was a line, so it was fair to have people go out and come in for the people who had been waiting in line. Uh, And the people who had the Doctor Who panel, I would argue that they had... Less con, they had less content. There's plenty of content for a Doctor Who panel, but it seemed like they mostly just wanted to talk about Doctor Who, what was going on currently in the show, what the audience liked about it. Uh, they had a little bit of a game show plan that took up the last portion of the of the panel, but it was the difference of while they might not have had as much hard written content, they knew how to run a panel. So they knew how to take that content and make it work just a little bit better than the people before who had an mm. entire language to bring up and discuss. Right. Uh, so that is a thing, apparently. No, just flat out knowing how to run a panel is important if you're going to run a panel. Well, yes. <laughs> like, like It sounds like for at least the Japanese one-on-one pro- yeah, panel, it sounds like the issue was, you know... Twofold, where a they didn't have the way to display their they didn't have the, their own equipment. Yeah, and at the time, neither did the convention have their own equipment. Yeah, which is the other, th- which is kind of my critique of Camicon. Mm. Keep in mind, this is my critique of Camicon, but at the same time, I recognize that they had a lot of extenuating circumstances. First of all, it's amazing that they pulled that they planned a wedding and a convention and pulled them both off. Yes. Uh, it's also amazing that they planned all of this with all the bad weather that we've been having, with most with the cities being shut down for days at a time. Mm-hmm. The fact that they managed to get everything done and it had as few hitches as it did was a is itself a great thing. But in some places, it kind of showed that maybe they need their ops team, maybe their operations team needed to be a little bit more I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is uh, alert, streamlined, aware uh, maybe maybe responsive? Yeah, that's it responsive uh, it seemed like the the people who were in charge of making sure that just all the little things in the convention mm. run, ran smoothly either didn't have the power they needed or didn't have the resources they needed to get it all done and you know we've talked about you know how how ambitious they really were. Mm-hmm. You know this may be a thing that I may not even that your average congoer may not have even noticed, and I was only noticing because I've done panels, and so I recognize that kind of thing. Right. But you know, there just in my opinion, there should have been. You know, they should have had somebody who could have easily gotten a screen and a projector to the panel rooms. You know, to the panel rooms, if that's what the panelists needed, it that that should have been there and ready, and somebody should have just gotten it. And maybe it took some setup at the beginning of the panel, but it should not have taken most of the panel to get it right. I know that, for example, when I was doing, pan- I didn't do panels for this con just because we came in at the very last possible moment. Yeah, and so I didn't have a chance to submit any panels to be accepted. 
But for MTAC, you know, last year when I was starting my, I was, I wanted the first uh, Friday morning panels, I think. Yeah. It was, my, was my, one of my manga panels. And I had no TV or screen or anything yet set up. And so they had to run off, go find a TV and bring it in. Yeah. And, but that was, you know, that was because they were still setting up that morning. Yeah. That said, if you're a panel and that you are expecting to do a PowerPoint presentation, you cannot expect the convention to have a computer that you're going to run yeah. your PowerPoint presentation on. It's I, I'm pretty positive at this point. It's pretty standard practice at the con. Yes, we'll provide a screen. Yes, we'll provide a projector. And they'll prescribe at least VGA hookups for whatever you want to plug in. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to bring in that computer or device that you can plug into. Yes. If you don't have that, I you know, unfortunately that is on you. Yeah, but... So... Yeah, that's just... And I think I noticed it in a few other places kind of around the convention. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the place where I noticed it standing out the most. Oh, it was also with uh, how, how they managed some of the lines, like for autographs and everything. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like they just needed people who were working around the convention to just make it run just a little bit more smoothly around. But And the people they did have seemed like they were really stretching themselves. Oh, yeah. They were. It's not for lack of working hard, right? But you know, unfortunately, sometimes you can dream a little bit too big. Yeah, and that can bite you. Like for example, yeah, with the you know autograph lions, mm-hmm. they have never had this many guests before and guests of this magnitude. Yeah, because it's one thing just to have Steve Bloom, mm-hmm. but then you add in but when Wendy Lee and you know Bo Billings, Billingstead, and you know. All these extra people that you know you want you. It's one thing to have Spike Spiegel. The other, it's the other thing to have the entire crew yes. of Bebop and one spot for autographs because suddenly you can get autographs from four people, and you're going to get way more people going. Oh man, that's yeah. awesome! I want to meet these people. I want to say hello and yeah. thank them for being the show that I hold in such high regard. Yes, and I am positive that I have I have no clue. For example, how well Hamacon could have handled it. Yeah, I don't. That's that's so much bigger than. What we've ever done. Like, I don't, I don't know how one even prepares for that such a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I can totally see them, you know, going like, oh, God, these are some lines. How do, how do we deal with it? Like, that's, that is something that a con, once you move on, once you start playing in bigger, bigger leagues, you have to learn to play that ball game. Yeah, like, and there were also a couple other things. Like, I noticed the people at the information desk a lot of times they, they didn't really know. They tried to know, but they didn't really know the answers to various questions like, where is the nearest place where I can get a soda? They right. directed me to a vending machine that was empty, which, you know, they still were able to direct me to it. Right. Uh, it seems like I, there were a couple of other things I asked, asked the information desk, and they either said flat out that they didn't know, or, yeah, they just... They didn't really know, or they didn't know the right person to ask to find right. it, to find out. Uh, and at one and at one point, I tried to 
and at one point I, I went I went up to somebody and I said, Can I go look over here at this? And they're like, Well, you know, you're really not supposed to. And I said, You know, can I with my super shiny press badge? And then the person just flat out didn't know how to handle that. Right. You know, the security should know how to handle all the various different badges. And this could be a, a, an issue of, again, this is a staff that has, you know, dreamed a little too big and have now stretched themselves a little too yeah. stretched where maybe they had some people that knew more uh-huh. to fulfill the information desk but because they knew enough, they knew enough to fill into another department. Yeah. I, I don't know that's what happened. But I could see that happening mm-hmm. where suddenly the people they were able to put into the information desk may, may, may not have been their first choice. Yeah. But it happens. Now, what I was doing was during this was... I went to the Bebop reunion panel, which they had a few of, but this was the big one where they had all four people up there. You know, they had, it was like an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. and they were able to just reminisce with each other. And I was absolutely astounded when no one asked how I I could become a voice actor. That usually always happens, but it did not happen this time. Didn't they, didn't they do something at the convention earlier to handle that? Didn't they have somebody just come out there and tell everybody, hey, by the way, don't ask this question. You're not going to get an answer. I, I heard that happened on Friday. Yeah. But since I wasn't there Friday, I don't, I don't know. But I do know that they did, like the voice actors themselves asked the question to themselves when they started this panel of, how did you get into Bebop? Oh, and they all had their own answers, which was primarily uh, they were already known quantities with Bandai, and so they just got put on the part. Yeah. I think the only person that said that I think I might have interviewed for it was actually Steve Bloom. The voice of Spike was like he he had to inter- yeah. he had to interview for it. And then he was like he was like it might have been more for me than even for them to make sure that I knew I could do it. Yeah. But they had several amusing antidotes. Like I said, mm-hmm. they did in fact, start going like, oh, yeah, I'm a Digimon. Well, I was in Digimon. And then for like a good five minutes or so, they start talking about how they were in Digimon. <laughs> yeah. And all the various parts and what they enjoyed. And eventually they did take questions. And mm-hmm. there were some, you know, neat questions. Uh, of course, they started off with a, who would win a fight? Lupin the Third's crew or Bebop's crew? And of course, what are they going to answer with Bebop's crew? I mean... Obviously. Like, I'm sure if we talk to the Lupin people, we'll be like, well, the Lupin people would win. I mean, obviously... But yeah, that's, you know, it's whatever your show you're part of, you're going to say your show is going to win. Yeah, yeah. Although I still think the Bebop people would win just because they're from the future and in space. Yeah, with <laughs> with various Lupin the third things now, now, I'm pretty sure they've been in space at some point now, too. Oh, okay. Well. Like, I mean, this they, 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 did, they once even had a, a Lupin TV movie where they redid, you know, more or less Turtles three back in time where Lupin <laughs> went back in time and met I think an ancestor Lupin I mean they've craziness sa- has happened sadly with the Lupin TV movies they they now just do whatever the hell yeah like and unfortunately that's kind of dipped its quality overall but you know but no the Bebop crew was it was really neat and you know they kept remarking on how like this how so rare that they actually would interact with each other because in modern voice acting yeah. They're all in their own individual booths. They all, they all do their lines cold, mm-hmm. you know, by themselves. Mm-hmm. And it takes, you know, the editing teams to put them together as a, as a cast. Yeah. And it's the voice director's job to make sure that they interact well. 
mm-hmm. as a cast, and it, it is somewhat crazy because Bebop had a really good cast and a really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like it really, you know, you could also tell that the chemistry also existed, you know, when they were as a group on the camera, mm-hmm. and you could also tell, like, you know, which voice actors, you know, were more old hats at anime cons than others. Yeah, like like Steve Bloom knew how to work his crowd like really <laughs> well. You know, Wendy Lee like would do it real like Bo Billing Billingstead like he did it. He would say things and they were funny. He had great interjections. But it was obviously like he wasn't at con. He didn't quite know what to say for the crowd. Yeah. As much as the others did. But he was still really neat to have, you know, the voice of Jet there. Yeah. He was, you know, he was an excellent addition. And there was a great moment where he had to pause and go, I'm sorry, folks. I I did not pee my pants. I just spilt my water. <laughs> and then Steve Blue was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, no, actually, that was, that was me. I think I just peed your pants. Like, it's... it's you know, the crowd was like, ah! You know, it was like, so I said pee, it was funny! You know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was there, were, there were good times. I yeah. I did try to record some of it. I have no clue how that came out. Maybe we'll throw some here and there. Maybe we won't. We'll uh, see I, what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, I did take various clips for various congoers. That usually comes up pretty okay, so mm-hmm. I'm sure... That's been interjected here and there. You probably have already listened to it, you know, from our first break. But after the, those two pa- those set of panels, we all decided to take our break and go get some food. Yeah. And here's how we know that you know Birmingham might be a werewolf because we went and first had a really delightful lunch. Yeah. At this place called Country Kitchen Cooking. Southern. Southern Kitchen Cooking. That's right. Yeah. Southern Kitchen Cooking. And they had grits of Gouda in them, and that was delicious. And they had a couple of, they had good hamburgers. You had some awesome deviled eggs. Yeah, oh my gosh, I devoured those deviled eggs. There's just six of them on like this little tiny salad. And it was amazing and wonderful and so, so good. And the, the fries were pretty good. They had this really neat, like, sweet jalapeno sauce. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't remotely spicy. And I know that because I can't, my brain doesn't work with spice. Yeah. And it was a nice sweet sauce. I'm like, oh man, I maybe should have gotten the fries. But the the Gouda grits were so good. Yeah. You know, and and we had a great time at this little restaurant that wasn't that far away. Yeah, it was it was in walking distance. It was a little bit of a hike, but only Only a little. Only a little. Only a little. And it was only a little bit of a hike because you had to cross uh you had to cross the street twice. If it if you didn't have to cross the street Yeah, it wasn't like it, it was not remotely bad. Yeah. I think the only problem was with it was that people, did, well, in our in our favor, was that people didn't know this place existed. Yeah. Because it was only open for, like, the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Which will be more important for later. But then we went to Octane, which was this coffee and tea bar. Which, apparently Octane is set more in Atlanta than it is anywhere else. Uh, apparently. I know there's a couple in Atlanta that's where it got started. And it recently have this, this location in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Man, if you live in Atlanta, go to this Octane place. Yes. It's pretty amazing. Like, it was, as far as you know, food and drink goes, I thought the taco truck was going to be the, the highlight for me. But no, it was this Octane place. Yeah, I, I had I had delicious tea. You know, we ended up going back several times. Yeah. The first time I had oolong, and it was a really good oolong. But then I had the jasmine, the jasmine tea, 
which was actually the tea recommended to me. I just kind of like, oh, but they have an oolong, and I want to have an oolong. Right. But the jasmine tea was that that was probably the best jasmine tea I think I've had ever, and that's pretty high praise. Yeah, and I'm I'm a really big aficionado of espresso, and I but I'm weird in that I love my coffee on ice. I just like cold drinks. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I have tea, I wait for the tea to become more warm than it is hot. Mm-hmm. Before I have my tea, just because I don't... I like cool, cooler drinks. Yeah. And so I asked for an iced Americano, which is my usual go-to drink at a coffee house. Yeah. And because I like the taste of bitter, and, you know, I'm, I'm down with my black tar. Just cold black tar. And they give me this iced Americano, and it was amazing. Yes. I have never had espresso that good. I don't know what beans they use, if they have any technique they're adding to it, but it was so much more flavorful than I am used to, but it was still black. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like they added sugar or anything to it. It was still black coffee, but it was just really tasty black coffee. It was... It was amazing. It's the best coffee I've had in years. Yeah. Uh, also, one of the times when me and Barry went back, I I discovered that they actually do serve liquor there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had gotten I had gotten the jasmine tea. Barry had gotten a glass of ice, ice water, and another woman at the bar ordered a ordered an Irish an Irish latte. And okay. You know, I wasn't sure what that was, and I tur- and I looked over, and the the barista got down some Baileys and some whiskey and mixed it up. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I now know next time to mm-hmm. let's go there for drinks because apparently we were we went to that evening was anyways. So after that, we went we went back to the con and we checked out the uh, Pokemon game show from Grego's Game Shows. Yes. And Grego, I'm sure we've talked about him before. He's an awesome dude who runs awesome game shows. Yeah, if you are at a convention and and uh, you see that Grego is running one of his game shows, it's pretty guaranteed to be a fun time. You'll ha- at least laugh a bit and enjoy yourself there. Yeah, it was it was the Pokemon game show. It's one of his more original creations. Mm-hmm. As he is getting more and more, he wants to do his own game shows. Yeah, still based in anime, still based in fandom, but he wants to sort of you know. Not have to do, like, the same game shows everyone else already knows. Yeah. And instead do things that are more original. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that way also he's protected in case people want to sue him. Yeah. You know, especially since he likes to upload a lot of his stuff to YouTube and, you know, and get his word out that way. Yeah. And so it was a really neat, you know, sort of match game. Mm-hmm. Where he was he was naming off Pokemon descriptions from his, the Pokedex from his 3DS. And people, in order to be able to go, had to buzz in. And say what Pokemon that was, and then they had a chance to match up Pokemons on the board. Yeah. And as you collect Pokemon, you would win, but then next thing you know, Team Rocket, you might choose a Team Rocket Square, and then they would steal a Pokemon, and you'd be down one. Mm-hmm. So it was a really well-designed game show about Pokemon. There was a really fun moment where one of the contestants had just gotten some of his Pokemon stolen from Team Rocket, and he... I think he tried to head desk, but he did it so fervently that his wig flew off. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty amusing. Everybody had a good laugh. It, it was it was pretty good. And it was also really impressive. So many people kept trying, like, two of the contestants especially kept trying to 
answer, like, which Pokemon is this? And they would try to answer the question before he had even, before the host had really even had a chance to say the... Like, he might be, like, two words in. Yeah. and But, but man, people know their Pokemon. Yeah, like, it, it, it's a... It was it was really impressive, and oh my god, that's if I ever have to run that game show, I, I'm gonna have to brush up on my Pokemon because I yeah I I couldn't roll with it like Grego could like oh my god he's he, the man knows how to run his game shows mm-hmm. the dude is a pro and uh, what did we do after that uh I did what was actually secretly my main reason for coming to this con oh right. We street passed a lot. Which, yes. I got my Nintendo 3DS out. I found a nice place to bunker down. Mm-hmm. And I just took in street passes and processed street passes for a good while. Yes, I think this is the point where I, would, I sort of just wandered the con just to see yeah, what you, you could see. You went around and schmoozed. <laughs> well, I did some schmoozing because I know other con people, you know, yeah. and talked to, you know, caught up with people. And, uh-huh. and then just wandered through a lot of the con around and. Mm-hmm. And eventually we started getting hungry again. Yeah. And then everyone's like, well, what was that awesome place you had for lunch? Yeah, because we, we had come back and we had told everyone about this amazing place where we ate lunch. Because it, so, it was so good and the service was so fast and it was virtually empty because it was a little bit of a hike away. Yeah, we were, we were so impressed with it and, and everyone wanted to go. And so we, we had a big group, 11 strong, uh-huh. and we headed there. And we discovered the Birmingham comes out at night is not the Birmingham that's in the day. Yeah. When we got there and we said we were a party of 11, just the look we got from those people, it was not, it was not kind. Well, also during the day, it was this really nice, calm, quiet place for lunch. Yeah. And suddenly now it was a sports bar. Like, I didn't even see the TVs when we were in there. Yeah. Before, you know, during the day. But then at night, you know, the TVs were were on and lit. And it was dark. The music was suddenly loud. Mm-hmm. And it was full of people. And most of them weren't even Congoers. They were just... Yeah, they were just people. There's people. Like, there was one guy... I was wearing a kimono on Saturday. And there was this one guy who stopped me on the way to... Uh, from my table. Now, I'm not... I'm not that unfamiliar with people when I wear when I'm walking around wearing a kimono. People going, "What are you wearing? Why are you wearing that?" And right. so I'm not unused to that. What I was unused to was he did not seem to understand that I was not a specific anime character. That mm-hmm. I was just wearing traditional Japanese clothing. Like he he didn't seem to be able to figure that out. Right. And that yeah. was weird. And it took him a while, and it was obviously, suddenly we, we, we understood that this place was only open for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Because they suddenly didn't know what to do with with us. Yeah. You know, they had us stand us for a while, and then they set us at a table. They're like, well, maybe this table might be big enough for us. It, it wasn't. wasn't. And the manager was kind of a jerk, because he, when we told him that we're not going to fit at this table, he acted like that was our fault. Yeah. Like, he was like, I've sat 11 people at this table before. And it's just like, well, you may have done that, but were they skinny? Right, like, you know, we're, 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 we keep, some of us are kind of big. You know, were they, were they, like, 
kids? Eleven toothpick girls? Like, eleven sorority sisters sitting around that table? I could totally see that happening, but... Yeah, but we're we're various people of various shapes and sizes, and we didn't fit, and mm-hmm. we were like, well, can we get a table, extra table here, and this and that, and they were, they were like, waffling on that, and they, so eventually we abandoned the booth. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was that it turned out that uh, two of the friends from from our condition from Momocon mm-hmm. happened to know two of the people who were sitting at a table. Yeah. And as soon as that table opened up, they petitioned the, the, the restaurant to put their friend's table and another table together. Yeah. And wrap tape and wrap chair around that until we get another table. Yeah. And so we eventually got sat down after about 45 minutes. Yeah. We were quoted twenty minutes, right? Because oh, okay. I think some people would have left before if they if they had heard forty five minutes, right? And so we finally sat down, and they started to take orders. And of course, another problem that we had was that different people had different timetables. Yeah, and they would have not waited as long, but that's okay, Frank. Overall, because wherever we went, we realized there just wasn't that many food options. In Birmingham. Yeah. As far or we were in in Birmingham. Like you would have had to get into your car, drive for like 20 minutes to find some other place. And who knows what kind of weight would have been there. Yeah. And they eventually got our drink orders. They eventually got us food. <laughs> it was actually a little bit funny. Because I eventually, I eventually just started crashing. You know, I, I'd been out. I'd been out all day. We didn't have a room that I could easily go and retreat to and kind of mm-hmm. nap and recharge. So by that point in the day, I was I was crashing, and it had also taken so long to get our food that I just finally asked for mine, mine to go. Right. So they brought it out for us to go. The same time they were bringing everybody else's food out, which isn't what bothered me. What bothered me is that they, uh, they brought out Barry's food just on a plate. Mm-hmm. And then they remembered, oh, wait, you asked for it to go, too. You're on the same ticket together. Uh, And so they then brought it out, both packaged together, for us to go. Right, well... But they had not yet brought the check. Well, further, they left Barry's food there, and they made another meal for Barry. Yeah. And your meal, but they didn't bring the check. And then later on, when we finally did get the checks, they then brought out another set of food... For burying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The, the confidence ran like the gambit for both fortunate and unfortunate things. Yes. You know, meanwhile, other people at the table hadn't even gotten their food once, and Barry had gotten his food three times. It was it was a travesty of, of all sorts of shapes and sizes. It was... And it was just so weird that we had such an amazing lunch experience. I know. We had such a good lunch experience and such a terrible dinner experience. And so for that, I know at that point, I drove y'all back. Yeah, I was I was passing out by that point. And I came back to the con mm-hmm. because I knew that Anna wanted to go to at least one more panel, which was Kami at Midnight. I, I, had, I noticed that they had uh, Cards Against Humanity on their, on the schedule for their tabletop gaming room. Mm-hmm. And I did want to go to that, but, you know, I, I was just fainting. And in the past, Kami Con has had good... I wouldn't say 
I wouldn't say late night panels and adult panels, but that is in fact what they are, like 18 plus panels at the very least. Right. Well, I mean, Catacon has always had a pretty good, like, sort of tabletop contingent. Yeah. They've always had a pretty, like, they used to have really good Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. Yeah. Like, they actually have used to have really good, really big Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. <laughs> Which sort of went well, because they also had the, um... The little Kubero guy, the guy who does the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge, mm-hmm. he's been a guest at KamiCon for years now. I heard a lot of people talking on Sunday saying that Vocaloid Rave was really good. Okay. Like, that, that was unfortunately one of the things that we could have looked into if we weren't waiting for our food and stuff. Yeah. If, if Birmingham hadn't gotten in the way. So, here's a tip. Go out for lunch and then order pizza. Yeah. Go, Go out, out for, for lunch. lunch, but then order pizza for dinner. Yeah. You are guaranteed to have a much better experience at this con. And again, not Comic-Con's fault at all, but just based on dealing with Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for example, living in Huntsville, it's sort of the same for us. You know, yeah. you know, we don't have as many food options in downtown Huntsville either. No, most of our food options are on... Well, they're just not in downtown. They're on yeah. the parkway or on University and... That's if you're if you're in town going to the convention. That's like a twenty minute drive that you might not know where you're going. Right. So just you know, that's one of those cases that might also be applicable to Huntsville. But we definitely could say that's applicable to Birmingham. Yeah. Also, because Birmingham's downtown, is you have to get on the interstate and go anywhere. Yeah. Like you know, Huntsville is a smaller town, so it's easier to get from Birmingham from downtown to somewhere else. Yes. But anyways, I went to Cami at Midnight, which was being ran by the uh, Laugh Out Loud guys. Uh-huh. And they had a Laugh Out Loud guy who was, who was a uh, student improv group out of mm-hmm. Georgia. Mm-hmm. And they, they had one of the guys who was running it. He had another one of the Laugh Out Guys guys as a guest, as a contestant, as it was a game show type thing. I think Aaron something or other, he's a, a geek comedian who was there. Mm-hmm. They had Grego. And then um, the little Kuro guy. Yeah. Uh, who has a name, and he's a really funny guy, uh, just in general, not just a new gear bridge, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry for his name. My girlfriend will kill me, but that's okay. So, because that's, it's little Kubro's name is on the, on the schedule, not his actual name. Yeah. So anyways, the whole idea was apparently based on, I think, a Comedy Central game show. At midnight? S- at midnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've never seen it, so I don't know what that show is like at all. But they had various um, quick segments that they would be able to riff on, like, you know, thinking up funny, funny hashtags. Yeah. That... Or there'll be a situation and you have to comment on the situation. Mm-hmm. At Midnight with Chris Hardwick is, is real funny, and I can see how that would translate into an anime setting very, very well. And Especially so, with some really funny people up on stage. And Grego is, of course, a man who loves to sell himself short. short. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, oh, I'm going to get dumped out of this real fast. No. Did he win? He almost won. <laughs> he probably should have won. <laughs> but, like, in, in my opinion, the Laugh Out Guy guy was kind of funny. The Aaron guy was not as funny. And then Grego was pretty funny when he when he was on a roll. Yeah. And the little Kubro guy was funny pretty much in general. Yeah. And what ended up happening was somehow Aaron was had gotten the most points. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened. As I felt he was not the funniest person on the, on the thing. He was not getting the laughs. Like, Grego was either said nothing or was hilarious. Yeah. Like, he was either off or on. Yeah. 
Um, and unbeknownst to him, he was on more than he was off. <laughs> it, there was just there was one of them. There was the uh, they did they had to make up BuzzFeed articles. Yeah. And apparently, Grego was the only one who could think of good BuzzFeed article names. Mm-hmm. And he was just rattling them off like he was just he just kept going, and that single handedly put him like in last place to almost first place. <laughs> it was just that one session. But and I think this in the end, little Cabral won just because again he was the most consistently funny no matter what was happening. Yeah. But it was fun. It was a good time. And at that point, that's when the con shut down. Yeah. And so that was Saturday. And now we'll take a musical break because we've been talking for all 30, 40 minutes. And then we'll come back with Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Let's kick the beat. It's your turn. All right, well, you laughed at me, so now you get to talk, too. So, some names. Alyssa. <laughs> Steven. You know what? You know the deal? What was your favorite part of the convention? My favorite part? Yes. What did you enjoy most? Uh, I love Artist Alley, since I'm an artist myself, so I get to see other people's art. <laughs> well, and how, did you do well? Did you, did you sell some arts? Oh, I didn't this year, so maybe next year, though. <laughs> so what did you enjoy? My favorite part of the convention was the dodgeball tournament. Were you in it? I was. Did you win it? Unfortunately, our team lost in the uh, championship round. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Did they cheat? I, I personally think so. I thought I got a double hit on the last round, but uh, I don't think the uh, ref saw it. So I could debate it, but I'll let the standing say. Did you throw any balls at the ref? I tried once, but did, I did they did they dodge it? Because that's were they good? Or? I, I'm just, I have a really bad arm. Oh, oh okay. Well, no wonder you lost. I mean, anyways, I'll have a great con. <laughs> Gentlemen, let me get some names. Nathan, Josh, Stephen, Ty. Hi, you're on the podcast for everything awesome. I I like to call the awesome cast. We're talking about CamiCon this year. So, how did you enjoy it? Uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, it gets better every year. So what made this year so good? Um, I couldn't put it. Uh, I couldn't put it down to one thing. Okay, any of it that you really enjoyed? Um, I really enjoyed the Cowboy Bebop one, the panel. On all right. Did you, go, did you go to all of them, or just, or which one did you go to? I just went to the one on Saturday after the opening. Was it just them talking, or was there anything specific, or? Uh, it was just a lot of talking. You know, hearing the people who voiced the the show I grew up on. You know, and just knowing, learning stuff about the uh, voice actors is pretty cool. Awesome, awesome. What did you really enjoy about it? I, I got to say Cowboy Bebop, too. Just hearing hear, the voices come out of real people is, is just jarring a bit. How about you? I enjoyed the uh, the Hatsune Miku uh, Project Diva at the Sega event. Um, you got to see people from Sega come out, and they got to um, show their product. And... Even though it's been out since August, you got to see a, like a new face, and they got to show. Awesome! Are you looking for the up the upcoming game on Vita? I am. Awesome! Are you gonna get the Persona one too? I may, may not. So, what did you really enjoy? Uh, I enjoyed the wedding a lot. Oh, they did, they did get married. It was was it was it good? Yeah, yeah, it was different, but you know, I liked it. Cool, cool. Well, thank y'all guys very much. Hope y'all keep having fun for like you know the last twenty minutes or so. <laughs> Uh, how's it going? It's great. It's going swell. Competition yesterday. Awesome. You're on the podcast for everything awesome. Talk about Camicon. How did you enjoy the convention? 
I enjoyed it pretty much. It's my second convention. All right, well, was your first? Uh, MyCon in Mississippi. Okay, are you from Mississippi? I am. How did you enjoy MyCon, and how did CamiCon compare to MyCon? Uh, CamiCon was definitely bigger, but I I think I had more fun in MyCon because I knew more people there. Oh, okay, okay. Are you also from Mississippi? Uh, not originally, but I do live there. Okay, okay. Well, how did you enjoy the con? Oh, it was fun. I mean, first time here at CamiCon, and I was running across tight, and I just had a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. What was your favorite thing? Uh, meeting Steve Bloom. Did you, so did you get anything signed, or did you just not... What'd you get signed? I got four posters signed by the entire cast. Nice! What was your favorite part of the convention? Uh, probably Steve Bloom panels and also Dodgeball. I had a lot of fun Dodgeball. Did you, did you win? One game, one of the free play games I did. Cool, cool. So what was the, what was about the Bebop cast that really made you go, yes, I, I'm, I'm glad I met them? Uh, dude, just the way they interacted, because you could tell they haven't seen them one in a long time, because a lot of them showed up late for the first panel. But then Bo Bielinga and uh, Steve Bloom did a, a go a go back with doing one of the lives from the show. And just hearing that again, it was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it was just nostalgia. Just complete nostalgia. Yeah. Peppers, awesome. Well, I'm glad y'all had fun, and hopefully you'll have the last hour's fun as well. All right. So Sunday at Camicon 2014. So you know how we said on Saturday where the 5K, it was annoying, but it wasn't really problematic. It just took a, took a little longer to, to get there. Yeah. This time, the, the 5K that was running, whatever it was, this time was actively blocking off any way to get to the convention. Yeah, despite the fact that our hotel was really only a few blocks away. It was really only like four or five blocks. Mm-hmm. In a car, it should have taken no time, really. At all. But... But because we had to get on through the interstate... No, no, no. The problem with this one was, was we didn't have to do that. Uh, well, we did. Well, this time you did. Yeah. But normally, what would happen is there was actually a, pretty much a straight road that take us directly there. Yeah. And on Saturday... There was, you know, the all the running was done around it, mm-hmm. so you could still take that straight drive. There just was more traffic than normal. This time they cut it off. Yeah, so we had to take the interstate. But we didn't even know we had to take the interstate. Yeah, so we, we did. Drove there and saw, you know, there was we had to turn around, and we actually had to ask even a police officer that was standing there blocking it off. You know, how do we get around? Yeah, we ended up doing is we, we we drove one direction trying to outpace it. Couldn't do it. Turned around, went the other direction. And we just kept going and went, oh, there's 65. Yeah. And we hopped on it. Of course, then I screwed up and I missed my first turn. I had to go all the way back around. Oh. We just had to go and get gas before we... Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah, and that took, so, even stuff I wanted to start off with, like seeing Bebop again and actually seeing what the Vocaloid game show was like, but missed all of it. And so I decided to go to, well, I'm I'm Humpy Frumpy, I like going to anime industry stuff. And there was an anime industry panel yeah. on, on Sunday, so I was like, oh, I want to at least do that. Mm-hmm. So I went and did that, mm-hmm. and we were sort of, you know, sitting there in the audience, and it was me along with y'all... Uh, there was Jess from Momocon, who you listened to in the last episode of the Awesome Cast about Chihayafuru. Go check it out, kids. But and up comes runs up is Ray, 
going like, yep, yeah, I guess I'm doing this. She and he's like, Jess, do you want to be on it? You you know about anime, and she goes, Paul goes, yeah, but Basil probably should be the one up there. And so he goes like, get up here, Basil. So I was on a panel <laughs> after all, despite not submitting any panels because we didn't know we were going to get to go to the convention until two weeks before. You ended up doing a panel anyway. And then out of nowhere, one of Ray's other directors, who is the economics major mm-hmm. graduate guy, who was, I think, was supposed to run the panel, only didn't realize he was supposed to run the panel, <laughs> pops on. And so it was more or less the three of us arguing with each other about things as people ask questions, which worked out. Yeah. Well, the three of you were very knowledgeable about about the subject matter, and that's the kind of panel that people don't go to it unless they're at least... A little bit knowledgeable. Right. And it helps that the three of us, like, for example, I'm not an economics major. Yeah. And the other guy was, and so he was able to point out things that I wouldn't be able to point out. Uh-huh. Um, whereas I'm a little more, quote-unquote, in the industry, and in that I talk to more people in the industry. Yeah. You know, Ray's got his thing where he helps run a convention, so mm-hmm. he sees a side of the industry that most people don't get to see. Yes. You know, I, I saw a side of it because I actually could talk more to more people mm-hmm. in the industry. And then the other guy, he knows actual economics. Yeah. So it was it was a good blend. And admittedly, my favorite part was when someone asked me, asked us if we were worried about things like Space Dandy getting more and more Western influence. Where yeah. I was like, no, that's awesome. Yeah, we need all, more of it. All three of you agreed that no, that would be a great thing. Like, yeah, like, because I do feel that right now anime is, it is not entirely in a rut, but there's a lot of anime that's in a rut. Yeah. And unless they do things to get themselves out of that rut, it's just going to reinforce the rutness. Yes. Which is, you know. The pandering to the Japanese otaku. Right. You know, if you want to make more money outside of that, you have to attract people from outside of that mm-hmm. and uh, that's a, I feel that's a really important point we also also ended up arguing a bit about the music industry which, <laughs> yeah, which was kind of random kind but... of random but that's you know I'm positive that's the case of uh, the guy who I can't remember his name he's a really nice guy I've talked to him like every con I go to mm-hmm. he's, he's a wonderful individual but I just cannot remember his name because sadly everyone can remember my name because it's an herb but I have issues with everyone else's names so I apologize, sir, but you're an awesome guy. And I have a feeling that he did a lot of his economic stuff on the music industry because that's a really good thing. Yeah. Really applicable towards an economics major. Well, it's today. also uh it's also a pretty good parallel to anime because there are a lot of parallels between uh the music industry and suddenly the new digital market where people are downloading right. more than buying hard copies. Uh there's a direct parallel there with with anime, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it probably that is probably the reason that the music industry kept getting brought up was because it is so corollary. And I think the hardest problem is that he was bringing up 2003 numbers. Yeah. And not only is the music industry completely different now than it was in 2013. The anime industry is also different. It's like doubly so. Yeah. You know, streaming didn't really exist in 2003. Uh-huh. And now it's the dominant way that most kids... At least experience anime first. Yes. Like, they'll eventually will go back and buy more DVDs when they come, or Blu-rays when they come available. Yeah. It it was a little funny to see the two of you, uh, the two of you occasionally have, like, well, not occasionally, but quite often have, like, 
differences of opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and both of you are very authoritative that your opinion was the correct opinion, but... And I can tell you on this podcast, mine was the correct opinion. <laughs> and he can't tell me otherwise. Because this is my podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, things like, for example... Well, and, and for example, the actual answer is somewhere in between the middle. Where I'm talking about how Hulu and Amazon Instant is competing with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And he feels that they Netflix is not competing with them. Competing with them. Yeah. And I, and I was like, no. It is... The, the trick is, is that they're using two different ways of competing with each other. Yeah. They're offering, they're competing in the same space, but with two different products. Yeah. Hulu is designed for keeping up with the latest greatest. Yeah. But there really is not much way of archival stuff. Right. Like, you can keep up the latest, like, say, eight or ten episodes, but if you want to go back further, you can't. Whereas Netflix offers the well, Netflix whole series is, at a time. Right. And, but you have to wait for it to hit Netflix. Yes. Unless it's original Netflix programming. Which tells me they are, in fact, going for that same space. They just realize they have to do it differently. Oh. Secret moment of awesome. Mixed in the middle here. New House of Cards. So good. I haven't so good. had a chance to watch any of it yet. That's why I didn't mention it. All I'm saying is so good. I'll, I'll, I'm sure that's something we can talk about next time. While I'm having my insomnia, it's what I digested. It's, it's, it's a good idea, too. But, so there was that, you know. Yeah. And But, you know, things like, you know, and so I mentioned, and he was kept going like, you know, I'm really against illegal streaming sites. And he goes, yeah, but they have everything. And why would you not do everything? Because it's pirating and you're not supposed to be doing it. <laughs> and you're opening up to a whole bunch of malware. Who was it that was pointing out that this that his theory was that the secret to all of uh, the secret to what was driving the anime market was consumer laziness? Um, that was probably was it in the audience? No, no, it was on stage with you. Then I can't remember which one of the other two it was. That might have been Ray, or the other guy. Well, it might have been me because I believe it. <laughs> that's that's. That is one of the that's one of the things that um, all three uh, yeah. disagree with. I, I brought it up because I thought it was a very astute observation. No, it totally is. Like it totally is. You know, I mean, it's a case because I think first um, Chris Stuckey of Momocon, Mister Jess, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. he had mentioned it like you know because it is so much easier to stream than it is torrent. Yeah, because it is. It is because we we, we have also discovered that it's much easier to stream than it is a torrent. That's actually why we stopped torrenting. Yeah. It's because, unless there's something very specific, like, for things like I had to, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I had to torrent if I wanted to watch it. Well, it's not like torrenting is that hard. It's still, torrenting is still a million times easier than going out to a store and buying a VHS tape that has three episodes on it, changing out the VHS tape. Right, but it's still... Now, order magnitude is easier or harder that I have to now go find the fan sub site, go download the torrent, wait for a torrent to finish, mm-hmm. make sure my codecs are now up to date on my media player, and then play the anime. We're now streaming. I log in. All my shows are queued up. I pick my show. I watch my show. Yeah. It is now super... It's so much easier to stream mm-hmm. in relation to torrents. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. And... 
And that was, he started off that point and we were all agreeing with it. So yeah. I think that's where that came from. Okay. Okay. But no, and that was fun. And I think after that we went to get more delicious coffee and tea. Yes. And it was delicious. And that's when y'all headed out. And that's when I uh, caught uh, the second half on the Con Chair Talks panel. Mm-hmm. Which was secretly the last panel of the con before closing ceremonies. Yeah. And that was pretty much Ray at a table answering questions. Him trying to get feedback from the convention goers. You know, him, you know, here are things like, you know, yes, I'm sorry about the schedules. And the schedules were, hand, they were printed by some company called Black Warrior Printing. And they screwed up their Excel files where they had Friday and Sunday on one page and Saturday was another page, which makes sense because Saturday had more content than yeah. Friday or Sunday. But the times for Saturday somehow ended up on the Friday and Sunday page. Yeah. And he mentioned that, yes, um, we got them at the very last moment. And it was like the Thursday before the con because of weather. We should have gotten it sooner. And we noticed the problem, but there was too late to get replacements. Yeah. So we had to roll with it. Did they have anything that explained what the panels were? Because that was the times being on the the times being on the wrong page was a little. Well, it was difficult, but for me, the biggest problem was that you know they had they had the title of a panel, but not a description, and that's pretty normal on a schedule. But there were program guides, yeah. But the program guides, like it was like eight, so 14, 18 pages, uh-huh. but only like. Four or five pages was dedicated to program descriptions. Yeah. And they were all sentences. So there wasn't much of a description for anything. Yeah, I, I think I think it could have it would have been nice to have a little bit better descriptions of the panels, but that's a pretty consistent complaint about panels at every con ever of all time. Not at Hamacon. Yeah, not not the one Basil writes the program thing. guide for. And yeah. stuff. But of course, then you have issues where that, you know, the guy, that Chainsaw guys really find funny where there was this Cody Warhammer panel. Uh-huh. I read it. I went, okay, someone named Cody and Warhammer. I assume they mean War, for Warhammer 40K. Why else would you? I mean, it's not like it's a person's name or anything. It's It's Warhammer. It's a thing. Yeah. But I don't know it's a thing, and I couldn't, no one would tell me what this panel is about. Yeah. So I wrote a description, was like, I think this is Warhammer 30 game. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just Warhammers in general. I don't know. It turns out that's the guy's stage name. He's in a band. That's, that's in fact, his name. And he was <laughs> going to talk about anime. <laughs> and I didn't know what the hell it was. Yep. You know, and there's that... Yeah, you know, and so there are things like that happens, but I at least make sure that everything at least gets a paragraph. Yeah. But, you know, that, that is an issue, and of course that might be an issue of they only had so much budget to put to the program guide, and they had to fill up other things like guest, you know, and introductions and things. And Have we mentioned, uh, have we mentioned Kamikon's story? No, 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 not yet, not at all, that they have one. Yeah, Kamikon has a story. And usually it also involves some sort of um, audience participation in the story. Mm-hmm. And that there is always a choice. Yeah. Uh, for example, one was they have a light side and dark side mascots, their sisters. Yeah. 
and they got to pick who was going to be the reigning mascot, as it were, for the next year. Yeah. Then they once had a, a a contest, as it were, to pick the mascot for the convention, mm-hmm. like a, like an animal mascot. Mm-hmm. And they ended up choosing the turtle. And this year, apparently, the big decision was whether or not next year's con was going to be fantasy themed and sci fi themed. Yeah, this con was it was Alice in Wonderland themed, wasn't it? I heard sort of. It was. Apparently, the mascots, their current plan is now to take over the world. I guess they've put aside their differences as sisters on running CamiCon to have out set their eyes bigger. Yes. I think last year they had to defeat their seven evil exes. Hmm. Like, I... This year, their issue was that they were they lost their hearts, and so they were heartless. And so that's why the name of the con was Heartless of Wonderland. Ah, and I guess they got their hearts. I assume so. Close, I wasn't there for closing ceremonies. I had to get on the road back to Huntsville. But I'm going to assume that they did. Well, one thing one thing that kind of played into the theme that I thought was super awesome is when you got your badge. You The, the badge had two sides to it. One side was for if you were on Team Hearts. The other side was for if you were on Team Spade. And I thought it was amazing and awesome and wonderful. I thought that was a great job, guys. Good job. Yes, and I did have to go, like, well, where's all the disclaimer stuff? Because normally on a con badge, you are going to see a disclaimer on the uh-huh. back of the badge saying, like, look, these are the rules of the convention. Do not break the rules or you lose your badge. Yeah. It was in there, but it was in there where you put your name in really faint font. Yeah. And so that was... Oh, well, that's cute, but I don't know if people don't realize what they've actually signed up for. Mm, it was just your standard disclaimer, though. Right, but this is speaking not for the voice of Hamacon, but uh, as I runs con, I kind of like my disclaimer where you can see it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I still really liked the... No, the, it, it is a neat item, and it was a neat item, too. Well, it's like, for example, at Otacon, what they'll do is when you go up, you'll pick a batch type. Yeah. They have eight different ones, uh-huh. and you'll pick a design. Like, I think I chose free mm-hmm. as my... No, no. I could choose free, but I had a press badge. Yeah. And so I had to choose the pre- press badge. I had the one style. <laughs> but I think I then made um, Anna choose free. Yeah. Because I'm secretly a Fajoshi. But, and I'm trying to see real quick, see if they announced whether it was sci-fi fantasy, but... My inter- my computer doesn't like doing things, so never mind. Is I, it fantasy? Is it sci-fi? Who knows? We don't, but you probably will if you do remotely any sort of searching at this point. Yeah, by the time this is released, you probably will. I, I know. I'm pretty positive they said they broke 4K. Mm-hmm. Well, they just broke 4K this year. Yeah. So awesome on them. Good job. Yeah, and despite the complaints I was making earlier about you know maybe the ops team needing to be either more empowered better organized or whatever the situation is uh despite any of the little nitpicky complaints i had about that i still had an amazing time at this convention it was still really really fun it it was a lot of fun and everybody was everybody was happy you know everybody Mm -hmm. 
it seemed like everybody was in good spirits, and that goes a real long way to making sure that the con yeah. guests have a good yeah. time, too. Like, you know, it, it was just, I, I'm super glad we were able to go to this con. I just had a, a great time. Uh, it, was, it was really enjoyable, and realized that when it, any criticisms or things that we have or critiques, it, it's because we want to see it be better next year. Yeah, it's meant completely constructive because ultimately it was a wonderful time, huh? Like, one of my biggest complaints is saying, I want them to promote more. <laughs> you know, I, I feel it tells you how, you know, uh, I, I am pro, like, you know, Kamikon getting bigger and better. And, and yeah, but I know we had a really good time. I definitely want to go back to Kamikon next year. I don't know if I'll be able to, simply because it's in the month that I like least out of the year. But... Like it is a case of where they. I mean, there is no con in the space of February. Yeah. So it's a good idea. For me, it's just a case of finances and getting everything in order to be able to go. Yeah, but it was it was a real fun con. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it last time I got to go in Tuscaloosa, and it's also a case of I go to so many cons I have to pick and choose, and mm-hmm. some cons like for example, and I'm sorry, Jesse, if you hear this, you know that. I probably don't, she'll she knows I'll probably get to Momocon, but that sort of opened up my finances mm-hmm. to the possibility of going to Camicon, and and I realized I had the chance to take it. Mm-hmm. I did, and also thank you, Ray, for getting us our press badges. You know, so soon is that because we only talked to him like a week before the convention. Yeah, and he was able to go. Yes, you've got it. That's awesome. Go for it, guys. Yeah, we we got you, and we appreciate that, and we had a good time, and and I do recommend that if you. Need a con in February. Comic-Con's a fun place to go. Yeah. And I, and I really don't know how, you know, to recommend it than that. Yeah. I, I would like to see more hoity-toity panels, as it were. Like, there was a lot of not-anime things going on in it. Yeah, which... that, that actually was something that they mentioned at the Doctor Who panel was uh, the person running the Doctor Who panel made the comment that, you know, when she first tried to run this panel... She was met with some speculation because, you know, it's an anime convention. Yeah. So what are they doing with this non-anime thing? But clearly there's a market for it, especially as we have sometimes, or at least I have sometimes complained about. A lot of times when I go to anime conventions and I see people walking around that are not from an anime or from a Japanese video game, I get confused. I don't understand what they're doing at the convention. But I, I do agree with the point that the that the lady running the Doctor Who panel at Cabicon made, which is that when it comes to Doctor Who, there's just a bunch of overlap that is bound to happen. Well, they did have things like, they had a Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. thing here at Cabicon. Uh-huh. That's also not remotely anime. No, not even a little. Like, not even not even a little. And, you know, and it also could be a case of, you know, the con gets what the con can get. Yeah. You know, that's... There is that, I mean, but they also had a 501st Legion panel. <laughs> you know, there was just lots of things that weren't anime, and that did kind of bug me a little bit, especially when I heard Ray on stage going like, yeah, we want to make sure we have plenty of anime in the anime convention. And I did hear that go, but you, there were already all, if you, if you say that, mm-hmm. I look at your schedule, and I don't feel it quite backs up what you're saying here. They you had... Know, those huge casts of Cowboy Bebop and Sailor Moon. That's that's a lot of anime. That, that is a lot of anime. 
But I am also of the of the persuasion of people that if you say you're an anime con, mm-hmm. I expect to be an anime con. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want to be a multi-genre con that has prominent things like Rocky Horror and Doctor Who and Star Wars mm-hmm. and whatever have you, that's cool. But then call yourself a multi-genre convention. But if you're going to say, I'm an anime con and I want to make sure there's plenty of, you know... And we pride ourselves on having lots of anime stuff at the Anime Con. Yeah. I I am going to expect to go to that con and, and have it hold up for me. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there wasn't plenty of anime stuff at the Anime Con. There was plenty. There was, there was plenty of also not anime stuff at the Anime Con. Yes. And, and stuff that doesn't even like, you know, for example, having Hatsune Miku and Vocaloid stuff. You know, a lot of you know, video game stuff. That's fine. Yeah. That's, you know, A, you know, the animations of watching, you know, Miku on stage. That is technically computer generation animation. Mm-hmm. You know. It's still, in a way, anime. Or, you know, video games, it's still, it's still Japanese stuff. Like, if it was more Japanese cultural stuff, mm-hmm. I can understand. Yeah. But when you say, when I go, all right, I'm going to the anime con. What am I going to do tonight? And I look and I see, you know, Rocky Horror. I don't... That that, that 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 there's a disconnect there. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And and also, I, I think they do a really good job of pitching themselves as a multi-genre convention. Because if you look at you know they have a very good you know tabletop session you know things where there's all sorts of different kind of tabletop games. Yeah, all kinds of different tabletop games. And none of them are anime, but and that's fine. I mean, there it's something aren't really a lot of. There's not, but and, and again, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that they've positioned themselves really well to be a multi-genre convention. Well, they're definitely a convention you can go to and have a whole lot of fun. Yes, that that is very true. Lying. And again, my biggest complaint was they need to promote more. Yeah. So I, I really, you know, and that doesn't say I still enjoyed myself regardless of what criticisms I may have. I don't know what will, but anyways, I, I think we've talked plenty. Yeah. Comic-Con, you should check them out. It's a good time. And this is the AwesomeCast. Thank y'all very much for listening. Again, you can check us at AwesomeCast.com, Twitter at AwesomeCast, Tumblr at AwesomeCast, Facebook at AwesomeCast. I'm at Twitter on, at, at It's Basil Time. Kevin, who's not here, is on Twitter at Twitless underscore Kevin. Please let us know what you think about all sorts of things. Check out the Index of Awesome. The website should actually work now. Yeah. Because I'm spending way more money on it than I used to. <laughs> and we are out.